Well, you only live once, maybe not And this life right now might be all we've got So let's contemplate the hereafter While we speculate with some laughter About this grim thing that happens to us all After that final curtain call But before you take that final breath Let's laugh about, let's laugh about Welcome to Let's Laugh About Death, the dramedy podcast that celebrates life while contemplating the inevitable. I'm your host, Tim Rooney, and I got to say, my guest today had me dying. It was, and you know, pun intended, I guess, since, you know, this is a podcast about death, but uh, she had me laughing so much. It was just a very funny conversation, very frank, very uh, tongue-in-cheek at times, and just, just discussing, you know, discussing different things. Because my guest, uh, her name is Tanya McKenzie, and she's an author, and she is a community activist, but she's also a PR consultant. And we kind of discussed that for quite a while. Um, so, you know, it was just interesting to get her take on all of that because I'm entrepreneurial myself. So I got really excited just, you know, just talking about that discussion. But what's... Uh, uh, what's interesting is she's got such a very positive attitude on life, and uh, she wrote a book called A Child's Memories of Cartoons and Murder. Now, I'm not going to give away what that's all about. I mean, she she goes into it to some degree, but to think that somebody has a book title like that in their life, and they're able to go on and help others and, and do public relations for companies and you know, do just all kinds of humanitarian stuff from an entrepreneurial type of spin. Um, you know, I don't want to use the word spin, but yeah, from that angle, I mean, it's beautiful. It's, it's helping out and <sighs> yeah, I, but I just got to say we get on the subject of death and she comes from a very large family and, uh, <laughs> we talk about how it could almost be a reality show. You know, she, she mentions how large her family is and she's been around a lot of death and it blew my mind because I came from a large family by typical standards. My mom came from a slightly larger one. Her grandpa had a family that was about twice the size of my mom's and yeah, 18 people altogether. She said her grandfather had 17 brothers and sisters and I was just like, holy crap. So <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, I I, uh, I really don't have anything else to say. It's a very fun conversation. Seriously, I've, I I like to laugh about death, and we literally laughed about death. So it was, it was great. So this is my conversation with Tanya McKenzie, and enjoy. So listen. Believe it or not, I'm sober right now. Um, I've got a weird sense of Sometimes, sometimes I forget who I am too. Um, I think that's the whole thing about moms, wives. They say we lose ourselves, and clearly on any given day, I can forget who I am and where I am. So, <laughs> just to let you know and to remind myself, I'm Tanya McKenzie. Um, from the Bay Area, so I'm from Northern California. They call it the Bay. Mm-hmm. 
happy to be from San Jose, California. Most of you guys might know it as Silicon Valley. Uh, it used to just be a little town where we would pick cherries and apricots off a tree, and now I can't find a parking spot. So, uh, born and raised there. And then I graduated from Independence High School. It was the largest high school in California at one time. It was wow. built to be a JC. And, uh, yeah, our graduating class was 1,000, and it was hot. Yeah. And I don't know if you can see, but I'm black and didn't need a tan, and I was ready for it to be over. So while most people were super excited about their high school graduation, I was sweating and looking like I was about to go back to Africa, and I was just not a good moment. Anyway, uh, oh boy. so I went to Cal State Northridge. Actually, that's not true. I went to Grambling State University first. Because I'm from the Bay Area, very homogeneous, we, you know, we mix and we mingle and we love each other, and it's just the epitome of hippie Bay Area, I wanted to experience my culture a little more. So I went to a black college down south and realized that I'm a very spoiled California girl and I needed to hurry and get back. So listen, the bugs were huge. Like when there's a bug whose face is so big that you, y'all looking at each other eye to eye, that's when you know, like, I am not, I don't belong here. They're letting me know I need to go back home. So I stayed a semester, came back. And went to Cal State Northridge. Okay. At the time, Cal State Northridge was, it had one of the largest populations of minority students at a Cal State. Mm-hmm. So that's why I chose it. I was like, let me, I want to go have fun. Um, I did have some friends that were going to like UCLA and their parties were boring. So I didn't want to, you can't go from a black college to a boring college. It's, really, it's not a thing. <laughs> so I went to Cal State Northridge. It was great. I played Beta Phi Beta. After I graduated, moved back to the Bay Area with my husband, and recently moved back to Los Angeles. Oh, you're in so the So I've been area. here now okay. about, I am, I'm in Redondo Beach. So Redondo, that's right. One of the right. things okay. about L.A., <clears throat> yeah, one of the things about L.A. is everybody thinks that, oh, well, I'm in L.A. I love when friends come to visit or, or co- you know, peers, you know. Oh, I'm in L.A. Come visit. And I was like, where are you? They were like, Hollywood. That's not L.A.? Like, I'm not sure who told you this, what map you were looking at. But I live by the beach. I live by the water. Hollywood is nowhere near the water. It takes an hour to get everywhere. I'm not sure if you've heard about the 405, but um, I'm allergic to it. Like, I break out in a headache when someone says you have to get on the freeway to go somewhere. So nice. with that, I started my own business, so I didn't have to get on the 405 because I didn't want to lose my mind. And I have a PR firm, Sand and Shores PR, out mm-hmm. here. And I work with civic organizations, nonprofits, law enforcement, political organizations to help them tell their story uh, to their target audience, which is usually the community that they serve. I love it. I've always been into um, nonprofit organizations. I'm on the board of directors for the Chamber of Commerce, president of the North Redondo Beach Business Association, and I have my PR firm, vice president of Black Public Relations Society, Los Angeles. So I love PR, I love storytelling, I love connecting people to a cause that matters and really showing people how their story is unique. So that's really all about me. I have four kids. That's why I forget who I am most of the time. The last set was twins. So we were from two kids to four. Yeah, we were like, you know, let's try for one more. And then the one was two, so we went from two to four. And my husband didn't talk to me for like a week. 
So like they're they, here now. <laughs> Ten years later, we're good. You're fine. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're all fine. I, <laughs> I think that's a movie. Yeah, we're all fine. We're all fine. <laughs> there you, yeah, that's uh, I've you know I I've always wondered. I've got one son, and uh, uh, I've always wondered what that would be like to just all of a sudden go in and be like you know at first, hey, we're pregnant, and then all of a sudden. Oh, there's two, <laughs> you know, or multiples of some kind, and it's just like. But as crazy as that is, you have people that do it on purpose. Listen, yeah. no judgment, but I'm not paying a doctor to do what happened to me. Like that was traumatizing. I'm not one of those like happy, glowing, pregnant women. I was like, there's aliens have taken over my body, and this is not okay. Like, I, this is not okay. So you're gonna have to explain to me why someone pays a doctor to do that to them. I'm confused. Yeah, but like I digress. Octomom or whatever she was called. Wow. Yeah. So that. And I know some people that have done that, and it does make me look at them a little different. I hope they're not listening to this. But if they are, <laughs> hey girl. Um, it's just a strange thing. Like, I don't know. It's a strange being able to survive pregnancy of multiples like i almost died literally really? was in the hospital one of the kids flatlined uh it was a hot mess they were almost born on different days they're two hours apart who does that me so, <laughs> so if anybody can mess something up it, it would be me so you technically have twins with two different birthdays almost almost they were oh, two hours apart okay literally, but i mean i thought maybe it was like to being 11 o'clock and one in the almost. morning or something like that <laughs> Dude, almost. I'm trying to tell you, it was almost. Oh boy, but you said. And then, one of them... so the doctor was trying to do it manually, like with her hands. Sorry if I gross anyone out. Nah. Um, and after two hours, they just went in and took him, and that was it. Mm. That's yeah. That's that's. Sounds... And they're still working my nose. So go ahead. <laughs> well, they're ten. They're at that age, and and you only have to deal with it for like another twenty years. So you know, and then by the time that's they're thirty, you. it's. <laughs> Mine, mine just hit the uh, the teenage year, you know. Now he's all holed up in his room and just, you know, comes out to eat and emerges like the Sasquatch and then goes back in, you know. So it's just kind of like, yeah. (laughs) But um, so tell me, tell me, uh, uh, what got you like into doing PR? Did you have businesses? You said you started a business to avoid the uh, the expressway. Uh, did you have a business before the PR firm, or was that what you kind of started off as your business? Or so I'll did tell you, know? you, I actually learned public relations when I worked for the YMCA a couple of decades ago. Okay. And, and when I was in the Bay Area, um, because I was in a town at the time called Oakley, California, and Oakley was a town becoming a city. So that was a unique experience is being a part of that transition, right? <laughs> and they had a YMCA there that was probably about as big as uh, any public restroom you've ever seen. The whole <laughs> facility was that big. And they wanted to build a new one because this is when they were building a lot of new homes um, before the uh, mortgage, you know, home crash yeah. a couple of decades ago. And then... So they were building a bunch of homes. They needed a place to service all these new homes, these new families, these kids. And so they asked me to uh, join their staff. And I was like, great, I can start new programs and yay, I get to do all this cool stuff. This experience that I had in college. So I thought it would be awesome. Well, once they hired me, they said, oh, and by the way, you don't have a budget. Uh, (laughs) So you're going to have to build your own uh, staff and your own budget. And you're going to have to build the programs. 
and you're going to have to train everybody and you're going to have to be uh, everything until you can raise enough money to hire someone. I was like, okay, this is tricky. Uh, so I took, I took on a challenge because it's just who I am in life. I don't know. You tell me something easy and I don't want to do it. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm still trying to figure that out. So I went ahead and took the job. I had a job also in Oakland, California, and I worked for an agency. So an ad agency. It was for um, O&E Color Communications, and they took care of bonds and um, Safeways, uh, all their products. So I'm knee deep in advertising agency and I get off work and I go try to build this program for this new facility to raise money for this new facility. Well, it was hard uh, with no money. So what I started doing is making some of these programs happen. I would call on different editors, publishers, and journalists in the community in that service that area to start covering some of the programs because we didn't have a marketing budget. Like how, okay, we have these great programs and no one knows about them. So I would start getting in contact and start having relationships with many of the people in the media that cover Contracost accounts. Um, And from that, you know, we eventually built a new facility, uh, opened it, had the grand opening. It was over a million dollars we raised. Wow. And that's always been my thing. When organizations that I work with don't have the marketing budget, I would just start to implore public relations. I've been on, and with that, I was um, elected to the uh, Chamber of Commerce in Oakley. Stayed there for years. We moved out here. I started working for Southland Publishing, which is magazines and newspapers for West LA. So most people would know Santa Monica, Westchester, places like that, Venice. And, you know, you can buy an ad all day long. But more people will remember a good story than they will a front page ad. And with that being said, some of my advertising clients, I would do PR for them. Um, and it just became my thing. I started Real Estate Agent Magazine while I was still there. Um, and realized I didn't really like real estate agents. No offense to anybody that's listening. <laughs> But that just wasn't my thing. Yeah, yeah. So I really opened Stand and Shore to be able to work with the type of organizations that I adore, that are making an impact in their communities, and have a story to tell. Because sometimes they miss it, right? Sometimes you don't really understand how powerful what you're doing is or how important the impact is that you're making on that community or quality of life for some people. So... I was able to start a firm and work with the type of people that I enjoy uh, doing the kind of work that I love, storytelling, connecting to the media. That's well, and 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 doing something that makes an impact and helping other organizations that make an impact. That's that's. I, I think that's most important above everything. You know, there's, I mean, there's one thing to have a company that makes money and employs people and everything, but when you can actually make an impact on a community or make an impact on, you know, just a a demographic or whatever, you know, whether it's, it's a a pet hospital or women's shelter or whatever, things that can, you know, change people's lives or can, you know, uh, leave a lasting impression, if anything, to change people's attitudes, you know, and that's, that's one thing that I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm trying to get a 
foundation off the ground. I've fledgling kind of thing. And I'll talk with you later about that. I've, I've yapped about that enough <laughs> in previous episodes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, uh, is very near and dear to me that um, I want to get up and running. And so maybe I can get some advice from you there on that afterwards. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, the, the important thing is, is that there are, like you said, I, I think a good story. I, and I never really thought about that because I've heard the analogy where you can have a, you know, billboard, but if it's out in the middle of the desert, no one hears it. But in the same sense, it's kind of like, okay, but what if the billboard is something nobody cares about and it is in the middle of, tra- you know, in, in the heaviest traffic? If no one cares, no one cares. And so it kind of. And that's of- what's happened so many times is that you pay for this ad or this billboard and they'll tell you, okay, well, the, you get so many impressions from this or there's a million uh, people that drive by this every day. How many, first of all, half of them are probably um, texting illegally and missed the whole billboard. Right. And then the other half, they don't know, they don't know what it's for. If it doesn't apply directly to them, do they take the time to write it down and then look it up later? Like there's so many pieces that are missing from just a billboard or from an advertisement. And then the other thing um, I left out is I've seen being involved in so many chambers of commerce. I've seen a lot of businesses close down, right? But it wasn't because they had a bad service or a bad product. It was because no one knew about them. So yeah. what they, whatever they thought they were doing with their marketing, they were missing the mark. It's, it's a horrible thing to hear something fantastic about a business and they're about to go out of business or close their doors or you get invited to the clearance sale um, Jeez, before yeah. they close down. You're just like, what? And why didn't I know about this? So... Strategic collaborations are something I absolutely love. So finding a lane where two companies or maybe a nonprofit and a for-profit can partner together, that extends your reach. Oh, yeah. You know, it expands your brand. It does all those amazing things. But you don't always think – people don't always think out of the box like that. They think, oh, this is not going to work. So someone like me has an objective viewpoint in regards to how you look at the business and how you look at how they can collaborate with someone else and um, finding creative – opportunities for them to have an event or, you know, launch a new product or a new service. So it's really important that we kind of get creative, especially now with everything that's going on. Oh, yeah. Look, find somebody that you can partner with and y'all both do amazing things together. I would much rather that than watch an amazing business die, watch a great nonprofit fail. Like that's, that shouldn't even be an option. No, exactly. It, it, and it should be one of those things that, you know, you just assume, at least I do, that a nonprofit has got some kind of funding. You know, they got some kind of – but in the same sense, when I when I was talking to a small business administration uh, advisor for a different thing I was doing, a video business, and I was telling him about the foundation and he was – and it basically what it is, it's a fundraising. It's a way for uh, helping small nonprofits raise funds. Um, and I told him about the idea and he's like – he loved the idea and he said the biggest challenge that most nonprofits have and he's like I get I get calls from nonprofits a lot and they're like we don't know how to do fundraising we don't know where to get the funds we don't know how to you know and because you can only do so much with with a singular event or a, you know a bake sale or something like that and so this this thing is definitely very outside the box in terms of uh um helping out nonprofits that's what it does and you know and the thing is is it's like that whole cross promotion. I, I remember watching 
watching the commercials for the Super Bowl for this last year. Um, I'm not a big sports fan. I just I went on YouTube and watched the top Super Bowl commercials or whatever. And uh, uh, nothing against football. You know, every once in a while it's fun to watch, but it's just not my thing. And uh, I'm watching the commercials. And one of the things that I thought was interesting was a couple of them started were cross-promoting. I think it was like Budweiser and somebody else did. But then there was, there right. was one where they – I thought it was brilliant. It was it was one product, and all I remember is it was a guy. He's from this TV show, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and he had something happen to him. I think it was you know what I think it was tied, and so he like spilled. He spilled, a, got a stain on his shirt, and all of a sudden he's like you know working with it or whatever. And then another promotional ad came up for something completely unrelated. We'll say Taco Bell. And all of a sudden he's walking through trying to still get the stain out. You know, it was, and and it happened like three or four times. It was an ongoing callback to the same commercial. And I'm like, that is freaking brilliant because it's memorable. What a message. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, sure. I don't remember it exactly, but I watched it once and it still struck, you know, stuck with me. And the fact that, and I remember it was tied. I don't remember the context of everything else. I don't remember the other ones, but, but it's like when you can have, you know, when it was, you know, major corporations of that doing that. So imagine if you could have a, a, yeah, like a local business that can team up with, um, you know, again, we'll use, you know, we'll use a pet shelter or something like that. You got a small, you know, bar or mom and pop restaurant or something like that. And all of a sudden they're like, you know, come in and, and, and meet the dogs from such and such that you know, clinic or something, you know, on their commercial or a portion of something, a portion yeah, of this, a portion of this, this good cause. Totally. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. That's, that's, it's good stuff. When I, when I see, you know, because there needs to be more of that. There needs to be business collaboration because, you know, a lot of businesses think they're, it's just, uh, they're in it for themselves. And, you know, I, I, I never understood the whole competition is good and I, I'm only kind of getting the idea now, but it's like when you can do things like that, where, one restaurant can piggyback off another restaurant. I mean, you get a restaurant district, you get a bar district, you know, bar right. hopping, you know. How so, fun is that? Yeah, yeah. You know, when you've when got. You can do a bar crawl a and bar everybody's crawl. money. But totally. you know what? A perfect example of that is somewhere like a um, Promosa Beach Pier or Manhattan Beach Pier where there is tons of restaurants and no one's losing. Like, it's rare that one of the restaurants will lose. Because everybody's doing something different, yeah. and no one's hating on anyone else. Exactly. We're all supporting commerce, community, and commerce. So yeah. it just brings in various different types. And if you're really good at it, you do things to make them go from one to the other. So we're all sh- not only sharing in the profit, but getting uh, more profitable based on our ability to collaborate and have great promotion. Bingo! Yeah, you know, and and because there's more than enough. You know, everybody thinks it's just a limited number. It really of, is. There is, you know, and, and, and it's it's just, it's sad how some businesses, and of course you've got your, you know, your mega, mega super, you know, corporations or whatever that, that sit there and almost, you, you got to wonder if they really understand that, you know, when they're squeezing out the mom or and care, pop. care. Yeah. What's that? Would I you? said, or care. Or care, I exactly. if they care. Yeah, all. and honestly, most of those big ones, they don't. I mean, when you hear when you hear of large corporations that, you know, three members of the family have 40% of the net worth of the United States or have as much of a net worth as 40% of the you know, United States, and it's just kind of like, ugh, you know, why do you need all that? So, but... Um, right, absolutely. Yeah, but, but again, it's it's... 
I, I love when you hear, like you said, when they're all sharing in, when the commerce is thriving. And, and honestly, when you've got a when you've got a healthy district like that, I think the constitu- or constituents like it's politics. I think the customers can can almost pick up on that. You know, they can almost sense it. I know when in uh, in in my old town, I'm from the Michigan, uh, uh, mid Michigan area. And before I would hear about any of these like pub crawl type things, uh, it didn't really seem to happen, you know, back like in college and that, at least I never heard of it, but then they started promoting it a lot. And, and I'm not much of a pub crawler type person, but it was, you know, every once in a while I'd go out and, and it was fun where it was like, you go from one to another and you can do tasting or you can do something like that. And it was like, and it seemed to help the little fledgling bar district that they had there. But I can only imagine when you've got, you know, somewhere like, I remember, Austin, Texas has a, has a street called Sixth Street, and it's amazing. We went there in April. This was back in the mid-90s. It was like April, and it felt like I've never been to New Orleans and Mardi Gras, but it felt like that kind of a thing. There were people all running all over the place and you know, people just dancing in the streets, and it was just an average Saturday night, and you've got a district that all supported each other. So I cannot believe you just said that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You have not been to New Orleans. You have not lived. I, I've I've wanted you to. Have not lived. I have. I would love to, but it's it's, and I've my mom used to go all the time. You know, she would she would go and visit a relative, and then they would go down to New Orleans. Um, and she went a few times. My sister went a few times. I just I never I never had the opportunity. I've never even been to Disney World. <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah. If <laughs> let me tell you, the minute you get on. Uh, Bourbon Street or Canal, your life will change. I, it is just amazing. That's that's what I hear. I hear New Orleans and Mardi Gras is. I've heard New Orleans is awesome anyway. You know the history and it and is everything. At, at any given at any, listen, I almost miss my flight home every time I go. Every time. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to put that on my bucket list and just go visit, just because of the, the 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 everything about it. It just seems so mysterious and, and it's it, the food it's yeah. the people it's probably one of the first places i've ever been where um you know it's festive and there's nothing uh, malicious going on there's no mad chaos it might happen on in other parts of louisiana but right there in the heart of new orleans it is such an amazing vibe the music the people yeah. the food the unity the we're all just here to have a good time feel right um i haven't i've never had it anywhere else ever i'm gonna have to check that out at some point because yeah i have i've heard nothing but good things so but uh yeah i um i think i think you know the 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 well, you know, I, I can't really. I, I said I was going to have a good segue. I can't think of a segue into the question. <laughs> uh, I mean, you I'm know, after New Orleans, you just need recovery, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I. Um, well, you know what? Okay, here we go. This is going to be my best attempt at a segue. So you've got New Orleans, you have those above ground cemeteries, which I always found interesting. Um, and so. Um, Speaking of cemeteries, I'm going to ask you the big question I ask everybody. This is an awful segue. You threw me for a loop on this one. This 
Wait, before we even get to the segue, can we talk about New Orleans? Yeah, yeah, let's talk more about New Jamaica. Orleans. Jamaica. Jamaica also I... has them. So a friend of mine um, was talking about how uh, some, you know, a family member's coffin got swept away. Like, what? I don't understand wow. this whole over on ground. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know who came up with that. I, you know, I, I thought it was something to do with in in New Orleans, for example. I thought it had something to do with like hurricane season or something like that. But I thought during Katrina, a lot of them got damaged too for the same kind of reason. Yeah, you know, and that's, some of them got uprooted and never found. Oh wow! Yeah, some yeah. of them were uprooted and never found. That in itself is like, you know what? Can I just not die in New Orleans? <laughs> yeah, right. <That's, laughs> But, is that is that okay to ask that? No. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, you know what? You just gave me you can't request for you guys. Yeah. Well, you know what? If we could, that would make. You know what? If we could, that would almost make life not as interesting. I think. You know, I think if. Uh, oh no! I might come up with something incredibly interesting. I'm sure there's people that will be okay um, doing that. You know, in the midst of something adult. <laughs> Or entertaining. <laughs> if you give people choices, you never know what they'll choose. That's well, all true. I'm saying. True, but I guess I guess the thing is, is it's like y- you never know when it's going to happen. I mean, I guess unless, of course, you make it happen yourself, which you know that's a whole other subject. Um, but uh, that's an unfortunate subject. So, um, but you know, I, I guess it, it, one of the things that really kind of um, makes me fascinated with that whole subject of not, not the adult activity, but the, uh, um, (laughs) the the subject of death is here's our segue is the whole concept of what happens, you know, and that's what the whole podcast is about is, is that concept of what really happens when, when we die, you know, and I've gotten all kinds of different answers, different beliefs, different, uh, uh, takes on it from quantum level to, you know, uh, we're on multiple parallel universes. Um, we are one with source energy. You go to heaven, uh, you get enlightenment, anything like that, all different kinds of variations. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you don't get that answer until it happens to you. And that's the big irony of life, in my opinion, is, you know, and the big question of why are we here is kind of maybe answered when you're no longer here. So... Maybe in the in the Listen, time you know the process. All I all I know is um, there are times when I do things, and I think my mother is still haunting me. <laughs> there are moments when I have been in a place um, and feel like maybe my grandmother is there, my grandfather is there still. Mm-hmm. There are times when. I feel like nothing. Like once they're gone, they're like good written to y'all. Like it was nice, <laughs> while I was, but good luck. I'm good now, thanks. But you, you know, I've wondered if they had an illness. Is that automatically gone when when they're gone? Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, recently, I have come to. Man, I used to be very afraid of, of death. Right? I think Same we here. all. If you've had any kind of uh, any kind of uh, inclination to be safe, it was more or less because you were afraid of death. You didn't want to die because totally. you don't know what it is. But 
I am from a family. My grandfather has 17 brothers and sisters. Holy crap. And wow. Yeah, all same mom, same dad. That's awesome. So needless to say, our family is incredibly huge. So I've experienced <laughs> a lot of death. Yeah. Uh, a lot. Like funerals are, it's like a thing, right? It's just what we do. Like we have a whole little script on how it goes and who we fight with. And it's ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, like, like a reality show. <laughs> yeah, it is. We could we could have literally have done that. Um <laughs> It's, you know, who's going to jump in the casket this time? Oh, no. Like, it's just <laughs> out of control. So, oh, it, boy. that was the part that worried me. So, I was like, the funeral. And now, I'm to the point where I'm just like, hey, just throw me in the ocean. And y'all go about your way. And if I find you later, I do. And if I don't, I'm chilling with my mom or something. Yeah. But I say all that to say, I, I, it used to be something that I was afraid of. And the more at peace, I have witnessed people as they are going into their passing, the less I am stressed and worried about it and mm. more concerned about what I'm doing now and the legacy that I'm leaving. Thank so, you. Yes. Let me back up. Yeah, let me back up and say this. Um, first part is when when someone dies and you don't have closure with them. So my brother uh, and my mom, they didn't get along well uh, when she died. And he had a very hard time getting over it. And let me say, he, I don't even think he ever really got over it. I can tell you some things that have gone on and you'd be like, oh my God. But yeah. I don't think he ever got over it. But part of that is because they never had those moments where they were able to clear things up and, and move on. Yeah. Um, me and my mother, you know, moms and, and daughters, they have their thing. But <laughs> I was, I've had moments where we've been able to clear things up, right? Like, I'm sorry for when I was 18 and called you a bitch and then ran away. Like, stuff like that. Um, See, we I talked got, about it. I we're got good. slapped across the face and that was about it. <laughs> <laughs> it happened once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That whole thing, whatever yeah. works. Yeah. But by the, when I was in my 20s, and um, and maybe I forgot this part, is my mom passed uh, a month after I graduated from college. Mm. So, but we had a good time. Like, That's we had a good time. We had talked about some things. Um, anything from the past was, you know, we resolved over the years all of our stuff. Nice. So when she passed, I got to deal with grief, and then... It was just done. Like, you know, I still do things that try to make her proud. Same with my grandfather and my grandmother. When I tell you I've had a lot of death, I ain't playing. Yeah. So what I've learned is when people um, have unresolved stuff um, and there's a death, it, it is harder to move on. And I think there's something spiritual that is still with them. Like their spirit, the spirit is still with them. Until they either find some kind of way to get forgiveness. Like, I don't know what that thing is, but it's definitely not the same feeling as if you've been able to have these conversations. If you guys are in a good place when someone passes. It's just very hard to let, I guess, your spirit, their spirit go when, um, once they die. So then my other question has always been to people that I know that are dealing with it is like, is it better if someone just dies immediately or like they are suffering from cancer or something long-term so you've at least had time to have those conversations and come to some resolution about things? 
you know, we've seen it in every movie where people are like, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. Uh, and you do that whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I want, I, do you want to have the opportunity to do the whole thing? But then that means you get to watch them suffer yeah. um, until their demise. Like, yeah. what? So there's a few things about death that has always, always plagued me. But what I think for sure is that one, they're they're in a better place because whatever was they were suffering with is no longer. Totally. But if there is some unresolvedness going on, uh, they're not completely gone from this earth. Because listen, when people make movies, I think some of that stuff is partially true. Okay. Oh, yeah. No, People I don't just make agree. movies about stuff that are just, just just not true. You can't make up some of the craziness we've seen. So there has to be some level of spirituality, haunting. I guess if you hella evil, you know, evil spirit is still lurking the earth. I would almost guarantee it. I would <laughs> want to be in a home where some evilina had been living. Um, but... I don't know. There's a level. There's levels to it, I think. Um, resting in peace, rest in peace, that means when someone says rest in peace, I'm thinking their, their life is resolved here. Yeah. They, they're in their mind, their heart and mind. But if they are not, uh, be prepared to see some things moving around your house when you <laughs> expect it. It's, it's funny that you mentioned uh, the hauntings and things like that is – um, before starting this podcast, I, I worked with a friend of mine and we actually did a series and they're still going, um, a series of ghost hunting documentaries where they're up on Amazon and, uh, uh, and they, we've seen some crazy shit, <laughs> you know? So, um, I, yeah, wow. I, I believe that there is, uh, um, and you know, there's, there's, there's definitely some something after in that regard. And a lot of times I do think it's unresolved, but you brought up an interesting point is maybe, you know, with, with you, she, she, she stuck around for a little bit, but she kind of took off. Maybe she, you know, with your brother, she's just kind of waiting for that, that moment where he can just resolve with her. If he hasn't, you know, at this point, but it's, you know, the, the, the thing that got me and I've, I've talked about this several times, but the thing that started me on this podcast was I had, three close people to me die within a period of like four months. I, I myself have experienced a lot of death, probably not as much as you, but my mom comes from a family of nine, you know, and there's seven in my family and, and, uh, uh, you know, not 17, but, but yeah, all my grandparents were gone by the time I was, you know, 14, my dad died at 11 and I had, I, I too have experienced a lot of the, the, the death, but the thing is a lot of mine were long distance. And so, you know, it was like, Oh, and so-and-so died. Wow. Didn't even hear about it. You know, that kind of thing. So not a real close family, but, uh, but I had two, you made me, you made me come to realize that I almost had three flavors of what you were talking about of, of death. I had my, my best friend died in his sleep overnight, no warning. Sure. He was overweight and diabetic, but it really wasn't like he was withering away. Then our mutual friend, you know, so I'd known James for like 30 years, got a phone call then, you know, one morning and I had literally just talked with him the night, the night before. So that was kind of like, fortunately we didn't have any beefs and we were, we were good. So I, you know, there's no, no, you know, unanswered questions in that. Um, and we, what was nice is we were able to go out 
about a week or so before he died, we just happened to have one of those last good old days where we just drove around endlessly and did whatever, you know, listen to music, et cetera. So that was good. That one, that one, right. I was able to, you know, come to grips with pretty well, but, and our mutual friend, he had been kind of withering away for like a couple of years. He wasn't necessarily in pain, but he was because he was kind of in and out of coherence, you know, most of the time. But then my brother, Pat, he died a couple months after Kevin was the other guy. And this was all, you know, it was April, then July, and then August. And Pat, what was interesting was he was kind of estranged from the family. And the cancer, finding out about the cancer brought him, brought the family together. We all flew into Chicago, into the Chicago area to go to a, uh, he called it his cancer coming out party. <laughs> he had a weird sense of humor too. Um, wow. Yeah. He was letting everybody know. And then, and then, uh, uh, we ended up doing like a fundraiser. He was the guy who in his town, he was the one organizing all the fundraisers. So he basically had to organize his own fundraising, um, him and his wife. And they, instead of, you know, just staying at home, they decided to take a trip. They went down to Florida like two weeks before he died. And then they came back and they, you know, he went to hospice and, and then he died, you know, he was in pain, but you know, he, he was a, he was an avid smoker. He liked to smoke and it got to a point where he was like, you know what? The smoking is the only thing keeping me sane through this whole thing right now. <laughs> you know, the only, it, it alleviates the pain. And, uh, you know, there, he was like, I'm stage four. There's, you know, and, and there was basically, there might as well have been stage four and a half if there's such a thing. And he was like, I'm not coming back from this. So I'm going to just keep, I'm going to keep enjoying my cigarettes and, you know, wow, yeah. So, but he, we were as a family able to resolve a lot of issues, you know, so that was nice. And he stuck around for us to be able to do that. So it's kind of like, yeah, you really got me thinking what is better for them to just go quickly or to suffer. And, you know, it, it, it it's, that's an interesting question because I've never really thought about it, but yeah. Wow. So now you got me something. And then it's uh, on both ends. Like, is it, is it better for them? Yeah, exactly. Or is it better for you? And, and we're in a place where we're being, we're being selfish yes. know, on, on some level, but it sounds like your, your guy who he made, he had already made peace with whatever was going to happen. Yeah, and totally. he decided how he was going to go. And he blessed y'all with the opportunity to be able to have those final conversations and Absolutely. have those final moments. That was huge. That's huge. He could yeah. have, you know, done it a different type of way, which you don't want to say less courageous, but that was a huge bit of courage for him to say, this is what's going to happen. So this is what I'm going to do. And I'm giving you guys this. Yeah. He gave us notice. That's and, incredible. Exactly. And, and, and it was, it was neat because like I said, it wasn't, wasn't that we didn't contact him or we, you know, he was, he was just, you know, ousted from the family, but he was just one of those ones that there was some family drama over the years and, I could go on about that, but all that was resolved. All that was forgiven. And it was, it was beautiful because then the rest of us that were, you know, in the family that were alive, we were all at the funeral. The families were all there. You know, we, we of course made jokes at his expense because that's what you do. And, <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> of course, yeah. Hey, listen, I asked for no funeral. I said, I want a roast. So yeah. if you want to show up, but I asked for a roast. Damn you. Forget the choir. You know, you know, I've heard of people having having something like that when they're terminal. You know, in other words, not having a funeral, but being like, okay, we're gonna have a party when they, you know when they know they've only got a couple weeks left. Um, it was, I don't know if it was a an article. Listen, I don't want to have to cuss nobody out. I don't want to cuss nobody out on my deathbed. All I'm saying is, 
have a laugh on my behalf. There you go. I don't want to fight you. Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's no, that, all. That makes so I don't sense. know. I don't want to be, I don't know if I want to be there, but um, <laughs> go ahead and have at it. Yeah. Well, it's, and let's be honest, funerals are for the living anyway, you know? So why not have a party? I'm glad you said that. It, yeah, it's, it's absolutely. Um, DJ it up. Yeah. Have a good time. Celebrate. Laugh a little. I've always thought laughter is much better than tears. So absolutely. I would definitely prefer you know, sit around and laugh a little bit and then go home. Please yeah. clean up your mess and take some cake. But <laughs> and clean up your solo for the most cups. part. <laughs> yeah. I haven't had a pleasant experience with the whole oh, throw you in the coffin. Like I'm traumatized. <sighs> Yeah. I get a headache and anxiety going to funerals. Like, come on. Oh, they man. don't even know how to do that right. Just They bring all the family drama, all the uh, issues, and then back to issues and regrets and inability to be able to resolve things. They bring it with them. Mm. So it's not really what it's supposed to be because no. you're hogging up all the time and all the space and oxygen dealing with all your drama and trauma. At a situation that's supposed to be celebrating my life. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Selfish. So you can you can do a Selfish. bet. You can do a bet. Um, who's going to be the one to jump into your coffin? <laughs> I think I'm going to start a pot right now. Start, yeah, start a, start a pool. And we keep it going long <laughs> enough for somebody to have a nice chunk of change when this is all said and done. Exactly. <laughs> it's like a trust fund kind Jesus. of thing. <laughs> Come on. We could do that. Really, you've given me an idea. Hey. Who's going to act up the worst? <laughs> I'll even start a panel. Like, who's going to be on the panel to decide who wins the pot? Yeah, exactly. They're looking at me like, what is wrong what? with you? <laughs> Nothing. I'm trying to fix it. Yes. I'm a fixer. Oh, that's awesome. That is, yeah. <laughs> no, so, um, I, 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 I guess, you know, I mean, we, we've talked the death thing, so... What are we'll get back to the um the 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 PR and and the um you know the 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 fundraising and everything. What you know, not to get all of a sudden the podcast into a financial type of thing, but what kind of pieces of advice would you recommend to small businesses? Because right now with everything going on with COVID and that, you know, businesses are gonna have a hard time getting back on their feet what you know do you have any like ideas for mom and pop type businesses to be able to collaborate that you know people can implement um i don't know how much of a small business listener base i've got but you know you never know <laughs> right or people that might be thinking now about starting their small business or side hustle i told um, it yeah. really comes down to yeah it really comes down to knowing your target audience right yeah. because we start businesses um, thinking that we're solving, not thinking, but to solve a problem, to solve a problem and fill a gap in the market. Mm -hmm. Well, we'd like to believe that what we are offering or even, you know, authors and, and food places, we are for everybody. Oh, everything, you know, what I have is for everybody. Everybody can enjoy it. Everybody should get enjoyment from it. But the truth is we have a target audience. Every business has a target audience. And when you focus in, on your target audience, who is your target audience, then you can grow your business from the center out. But trying to cast a wide net, you waste a lot of money and time on people that are not your target audience. Yeah. And then you learn how to storytell and find those little niche things that are 
special to you, your business, and what you're offering, and be able to connect, tell the story, and connect people to that. Play on emotion. Play on um, culture, right? One thing I learned, the YMCA is one of the most uh, elite organizations in regards to training. And we have these trainings that were about culture, and I got to present at one, and they said, what is culture? You know, it's not just I'm black, I'm white, whatever. It's mm-hmm. the culture of a group of people. So your target audience is a group of people. But who is that group? Are they rich? Are they poor? Where do they live? Are they parents? Are they kids? What is the culture of that group? What do they do at night? What do they like? What do they do in the day? What does their weekends look like? Do they play sports? Do they like sports? So really tapping into the culture of your target audience to then start speaking to them about your product and connecting with them. So like you and I have this large family, um, high experience in death. And if someone was trying to, you know, decide how they were going to sell something to us, maybe it would be in a commercial or ad that had some level of um, irony or comedy to it because those are things that catch our eye, right? Those are things that we catch on to that maybe someone with less of a sense of humor would miss. Totally. So you can't be super funny with uh, a bunch of Harvard grads that are (laughs) engineers. Like, they're going to miss it. Like, what is he talking about? So you're really keying in on your target audience and being able to speak to them is most important in regards to how you grow your business as a small business. And then when you're looking for collaborators, it's people that are talking to those same people. They might be offering something different, but they are speaking to the same group of people that you're speaking to so that it's more impactful. Like you were talking earlier about uh, the Super Bowl commercials, right? Mm -hmm. So you were talking about the collaboration. They're speaking to the same group of people. Oh, yeah. Whether it's food and a nonprofit, they're speaking to the same group. And that, that's how it's so impactful. That's That makes total sense. That Yeah. When you said that you're you're going after the same audience. Yeah. One might be a bar and one might be a, a restaurant, but you're not going <laughs> Look, to. One might be a bar. One might be uh, a, uh, a, a. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know what? They probably same, have the same same, same. <laughs> the same, same, thing. same thing. <laughs> but, um, same but, thing. <laughs> I love your sense of humor. I love I love warped <laughs> senses of humor. It's great. But that's what makes the world go round. You know, it's it's <laughs> listen, these days you know it's laugh or cry. Yeah. You got two options. You are totally you right. You are though. not able to ignore it. No. Being able to ignore it is a non starter. Yeah. That's yeah, that's 100% true. But uh, you met, you said a word earlier and I thought you said author, which jogged my memory that this is one of the big things I wanted to ask you about, which probably would have been a better segue into the subject of, uh, of death. <laughs> we still got there. We still got there. We got there. We made it. I had to force it, but we got there. Um, this we was my plan there. to get there. So tell me about your book. I, uh, the title, the title sounds like it's, ironic and but but horrifying in the same sense um the 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 title of the book is a child's memories of cartoons and murder 
So, holy shit. I'm sorry. I just got to that, – that, that blows my mind. You got to fill me in on what that's all about. Yeah, so buckle your seatbelt. Yeah. Um, when I told you about all the death that we've experienced, my first uh, death I experienced was at four and a half. Oh my god! On a Saturday morning, I, I don't know if you remember the the um, show Schoolhouse Rock. Oh, remember totally. On Saturday morning, yes. Schoolhouse Rock. Yes. Man, that was my stuff. I loved, I loved it. Loved it. Um, my mom. And her boyfriend were in the room sleeping, and some men knocked on the door, and they uh, came in and they shot him. They shot her and shot him in front of me. So, yeah, that was my four-and-a-half-year-old experience, and my life was a complete shit show from then on out. So I actually wrote a – finally got the guts to write the book about – the things that had gone on from four and a half to about mm, 19, 18, 19 ish. And it was tough uh, to out some people, but it was done in an effort to really talk about some of the things that go on in families that suffer from generational dysfunction, because much of it was things that, I wanted to stop, right? Um, I went through this. I don't think the next generation of kids in our family should have to go through this. No. And we don't want to talk about it. So if I put it on paper, we're going to have to talk about it. And not everybody agreed with that. So we had that. Um, I was assaulted twice Uh. by an uncle. But the cool thing is I used it to help other young people people that are going through things and they think no one's paying attention. They think no one would understand. And many of the people in the book that I talk about are actually uh, kind of my angels in disguise. That's what I say. My little secret heroes. A lot of them, you know, are people that were very kind and helpful uh, when I was growing up that made those types of things a lot easier and they didn't know. So then they read the story and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know you were going through that. So this is the deal. Kids, young kids in particular, that are in school every day, have things going on in their life that you don't even know about. So while you think um, the loud, boisterous kid is bad or has some kind of issues, it's really the quiet ones that are getting good grades and don't want you asking what's going on at home that you really need to be checking in on. Yeah. And that was really the crux of it is really to unmask some things that people don't like talking about and didn't even know that there was something to talk about. So, you know, after I wrote it, had a very big uh, book launch and there were some people that showed up from my family Mm. that were not happy about it. I thought, I wasn't sure, but I told you I had a big family, so Mm. I wasn't sure what side of the fence they were on. And after I read some passages, they stood up and they actually applauded and said, you know, we just want to let you guys know she's right. And these things did happen and they're still happening. Wow. So since then, it's still been an ongoing uh, conversation um, where we can do better, what we would like to see the next generation 
um, of our family be like and what we want their life to, their life experiences to be. I just think kids really get taken out of being able to have a childhood. They get so succumb uh, with adult issues and yeah. it was just time to have that conversation like this is not okay and if you think it's okay oh yeah no you're wrong and this is why they say you know kids are resilient I'm like yeah they might yeah, be resilient but, but ha- half of us are on uh, some type of medication or something so totally. let's be honest about what this is really doing and hopefully um, stop and stop it dead in our tracks that was really the goal well, and, and so it was actually uh, Saturday morning, um, uh, cartoons and murder. Sorry to disappoint you. I know you're probably thinking no, something different. No, no, no that's, that's that's what it was. I wondered about that. I honestly wondered about that. And that's, you know, but you bring up a good point, you know, with the with the uh, uh, the quiet kids. Um, my son has Asperger's, so he's naturally quiet. And he gets good grades and he's quiet. And, you know, I mean, he talks with us, but in school he doesn't talk much. And I'm always asking him, I'm like, is there anything going on? If there's anything going on at school, let me know. And, of course, I get to know everything's fine. And I always have to wonder, is it true? Is he getting bullied? You know, is he having problems with certain teachers? Whatever kind of thing. And because I was watching uh, just today, oddly enough, I was watching uh, uh, a stand-up bit on YouTube. I was, you know, going down a YouTube rabbit hole, and I came across a George Carlin bit, and he was talking about how kids believe – adults because they're authority figures you know and the thing is 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 they you know i grew up where you know children were meant to be seen and not heard kind of attitude and so Mm -hmm. when you've got kids who are being abused there was some of that in my family um when you got kids that were being abused you know or but whether it's by a a a, a, you know relative or friend of the family or you know uh, an authority figure sometimes it's brought to the whole thing where you know, is the kid going to get in trouble, you know, or is that person going to get in trouble or, or if they speak up, they're going to do harm to the parents or the family or something like that. And it depends on what, you know, it's just the problem. Like you said, kids are, you know, they say kids are resilient. Yeah. They're resilient from scratching their knee. They're not resilient from a long-term psychological scar like that. And unfortunately, you know, back in the day, it was like one of those things you just, just didn't bring up. You know, it never got talked about. And yeah, it's, it's, I just, I still keep picturing though what you said at the beginning of the description of the book. And that's just, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't even have words to say how I feel for what you experienced. And this, and this is the thing. Um, and I appreciate that. This no is the thing is, you know, I, I had a couple of family members go, oh, this was great, but why did you have to use real names? And I wish you wouldn't have said this. And, and, I, you know, my thought to them was, you're still trying to, one, protect um, bad people. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah. And, two, the book isn't for me. I already survived it. So if you're missing the point of it helping someone else that's still struggling to deal with their current reality, then there's nothing I can say. There's nothing that I can say to explain to you how hard it is to be a child dealing with that kind of stuff, not knowing if you're the only person in the world, because no. you're not talking to anybody else about this, yeah. that can understand that you are dealing with something that is just so horrific. And oh. and still miss it. And they, and they can still you know find reasons to excuse 
um, some of the bad behavior. But then, you know, we can look in the in the media right now and find um, people that are that defend pedophiles and people uh-huh. that defend uh, rapists and people. You know, there's so many excuses. You can just find a thousand excuses, not necessarily honing in on the victim or the young kids or the struggling individual that was assaulted. Um, what that looked like or someone that survived gun violence and what kind totally. of PTSD they might be dealing with on a regular basis. When I was in college, uh, my friends used to rag on me all the time because we would go to parties and I would disappear and I would just show up back at home. That was my thing. And it came to a point where they'd be like, hey, can you not run off? And I never really understood what that was until I got older and started researching, you know, what PTSD was and some of the characteristics behind it. And I've just always had fear of certain types of environments, like parties that are rowdy. And I will, first thing I do is look for the exit. As soon as I get there, I'm looking for the exit. And it took me a long time to realize that. But not only what I was doing, but why I was doing it. And in all these years, no one ever took the time to address it. It just is what it is, right? It happened. It is what it is. Get over it. Stop doing it. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> so this was really my effort in just letting whoever got their hands on it, on the book, to say, I see you. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, if no one else gets it, I get it. People are nuts. They don't think about what these types of things will do to you long term. Or they don't and care. And I get it. You know, they just don't care. Oh, yeah. You know, whether it happens Especially to them. if it hinders... Yeah, especially if it hinders what is whatever it is that they're trying to establish or pretend, like pretend like we're one big happy family. We're yeah. a family of nuts. Stop playing. <laughs> That's it. Stop, That's, stop it. But you know, it, it's it it comes to that that whole concept of, you know, um, I would rather get advice about some weird, you know, leg twitch that I'm getting from somebody who's experiencing the same leg twitch. Than a doctor who's just throwing meds at me, going, I don't know what Never it is. Maybe it's just, it. well, yeah, exactly. You know, and they're like, well, you know, it's or it's it could be this or, or studied it, and they're just looking up, you know, online and you know, WebMD and that kind of thing, you know. And it's like, you you've got you're that person where they could say, hey, so this happened and this happened and this happened, right? Yep, and then this, yep, okay. Oh my God, I you you you've been there. Yes, I got it. You 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 speaking to those people. I get it. Yeah. yeah, I guess I get it. That's it. That's that's that was it. I mean, it's unfortunate that you, you know, had to live it to be able to do that, but it's awesome that you're able to do that for people. But I'm that, still trying to figure out why I'm not half crazy, or I might be, <laughs> but I disguise it well. I don't know. You know Whatever you let me know. Hey, I, I, I'm a believer that that a, that a warped sense of humor covers a little of that anyway, but. <laughs> And they say in every joke, there's a little piece of reality. That, and my favorite thing to do is laugh. So, yeah, um. well, laughter. And that's that's the whole reason for the podcast is to help people, you know, maybe cope a little bit with a dark subject, you know, to maybe give some comfort. Because, you know, I, I was y- you talk to people and it's like sometimes it's like, wow, that was a really dark joke, but it's funny. And so it's like humor, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Humor is one of those things that is, it's a safety net. You're like, ooh, that was morbid. Yeah. Yes, it was. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, but it was good. I got a laugh. What? <laughs> so, you know, 
it's it's just it's it's a it's a safety mechanism. It's a it's a comfort mechanism, and it's and it's one of those things also that help you, you know, if you can laugh at it, it helps heal a little bit. I believe at least, you know, and that's just. Yep. I I believe it. I'm with you on that, sir. <laughs> well, hey, I. Genuinely appreciate you talking. I I, uh, I know it was a little rough in a couple patches there, but then all of a sudden, uh, you know, we got we got our well, I got my uh, my footing there. You were very patient. I appreciate that. <laughs> Listen, the beginning, you would have thought I was on drugs. You were like, I'm recording. What? No. Okay. There was. I don't know where I'm at right now. <laughs> well, and I, I should have probably. It's not just you. It's not just you. <laughs> hey, that's that's fine. That's fine. So, but um. Yeah, if, if uh, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna include your website and any of the links that you sent me. If there's anything else that you'd like to send, um, you know, upcoming speaking dates or anything like that. Uh, not sure when this is gonna air. Uh, probably not until I I I relaunched my pod podcast and had a very um, active response from the you know the people that I did reach out to. So. Honestly, I'm not even sure when it's going to air. So if you've got something coming up, though, you know, maybe we can adjust you in the schedule to, to fit that in there. So, but um, yeah, I, I appreciate, uh, you know, I appreciate have you missed the whole COVID thing? No one's doing anything right now. We're, that, we're all sitting still. We're good. Yeah, that that's that's kind of what I'm thinking, you know, but it's like, I'm just saying if this, you know, all of a sudden you got something lined up in, say, October. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't think hey, it's going to be We're shutting back down, so I don't know. I'm just, you, I'm just here. You know what? I the, the, the crazy thing. Okay, let's get on this subject. So the crazy thing about the whole COVID is, like I said, I've had some going hour and a half. We're just, we're just getting started. Um, the the crazy thing about COVID is with different people I'm talking to from different areas. Like I talked to a woman who's from New York, where she's seeing outside her apartment or her house or whatever up to 20 ambulances a day. She's seeing the makeshift morgues, mm. you know, and she's seeing all this stuff. And, and then I talked to other people where they're like, yeah, they made a, they made a makeshift hospital and they never needed to use it once, you know? And it's, it's almost like it's getting mixed signals. And, and I'm not saying, you know, it's conspiracy or any of that kind of nonsense, but it's crazy how, you know, we're hearing one side and then we're hearing something different and the news changes on a daily basis you know, I do personally think that, you know, opening up everything too quickly is still a bad idea. You know, I, I personally, I wear the mask. I do all the, you know, the hand sanitizing and wash my skin to where it's raw and uh, on my hands, you know. And, uh, um, but, I, you know, I, I'm I, a germaphobe anyway. So oh, yeah. this is going to be a nightmare for you then. That's, yeah. And, and, and well, today. I got a knock on the door. Someone dropped off a UPS package mistakenly. We, I live in an apartment complex where the, all the, the apartment numbers are screwy. They have a phase one and a phase two, and we constantly get like Grubhub deliveries for the wrong people and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, mm -hmm. heard the door knock, opened the door, and I'm explaining to the UPS guy. He doesn't have a mask on. I don't have a mask on because I was just expecting to look and see a package and figure out what was going on. And I got a little paranoid because I talked to him for probably – 30 seconds to explain where it was at. And I was about three feet away. And I'm like, geez, did I just expose myself? You know that? And that's the thing is it's like, right. We don't know, you know? And so I'm a little bit nervous about know. that. And, you know, and, and there are people who are confident that this is nothing worse than a flu. And yes, I've talked to people who 
they knew friends who had it. Um, they got over it. It was it was basically like the worst flu you've ever had in your life. And if that's all it is, great. But, you know, I don't want to take that risk. And I don't think the country should and take it, that d- risk. And it affects different people differently. Bingo. And because the information hasn't been consistent, yes. you don't really know what that is. So no. part of part of communications and PR is making sure that you're communicating well. And that's something we've been missing um, with this whole epidemic. That's really the biggest issue because when you're honest about what you're dealing with, then people can make decisions that's best for them and their families. Yes. And we've just been missing that, which is making fear and paranoia um, really rule the situation. So I have always been someone that does not like people breathing on me and things of that nature. So I'm okay with the distancing part, at <laughs> least to a point to where, listen, if you spit when you talk, you know that you should probably uh, aim downward while you're talking. Yeah. I'll look at the top of your head, no problem. <laughs> but don't do disgusting things. Like, this is not the time. I don't have a patient. And I have kids. So more or less, I'm looking at not just for me, but what am I bringing back home? Or what you am I bringing back into my house? Those are the types of things where now it's not just about me. Yeah. So it's just something I wish people were thinking about when I was a kid, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, that conversation. So, yeah, that's it. it. It's it, – yeah. So, anyway, hopefully uh, hopefully by the time this airs, the whole COVID thing is cleared up. But I know it's not going away anytime soon. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not. And we just have to – protect ourselves yeah um that's what it comes down to and don't be disgusting and have home training that's it and it's a little home training a little yeah no i agree i agree and you know and i and i wish i wish more people were able to work from home i'm fortunately you know uh lucky enough to be able to my wife is able to you know with my day job that is and uh it's just um although that that I'm finding. I work for the state, and I'm finding that that could be in jeopardy here soon. So we'll see how that goes in another month. Mm. Yeah, but, you know, it's it's one of those things. So it's just kind of uh, uh, one day at a time is all we can do. But, yeah, I, I think um, it's it's definitely it's it's opening people's eyes, whether it's good or bad, you know. So, yeah. But, uh, well, hey, yeah. Tanya, I definitely appreciate the conversation. I appreciate you know, what you're doing, the book, the, uh, the PR, I, I, I'm definitely gonna, I'm gonna contact you. Um, don't have really any of a kind of a budget, but <laughs> if anything, if you've got any, some manuals or something that I can, uh, get some ideas for, cause it's, it's this foundation. I would love to, you know, pick your brain on that. So, but, um, Absolutely. And I also have a group, um, on Facebook, Understand Insurers. It's called Advice and Resources. So I do let People come in and, you know, pick my brain or my uh, black book for for free just because I definitely feel like, you know, if we have information that we can share with others to help them grow their business and be successful, why not? Like we were talking about death. I can't take this information with me, so I might as well share it. Yeah. So if you get a chance, crawl on in there and, hey, what do you, what do you think about this? There's others in there that can give their opinion and advice and people that are looking to collaborate. So that would be awesome. All of that being said, yeah, let's just keep in touch and um, I'll be following you and hopefully you'll be following me and we'll stay connected. Definitely, definitely. So you, uh, yeah, I'm going to check that out. You said that was a Facebook group on the sense, understanding shows yep. or was it on the website? Yep. Okay, cool. I'm going to check Stand that out. In Facebook. Yep. 
And um, whatever you need, you know, if you're looking for a media contact or you're looking for uh, another nonprofit to partner with, it's information that we're happy to share. Very cool. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's that's very good. I'm going to take a look at that. I'm going to probably check that out right after we're done. So uh, you have yourself a, a right. great night and uh, keep up what you're doing. I love the fact that you're focusing. Like you said, you got your niche, you know, or niche. What, what do you prefer, niche or niche? <laughs> Whatever works for you. <laughs> I've always wondered about that word. Yeah, it's a tomato, tomato. Kind tomato, of so. tomato. Yeah. <laughs> you have yourself a good night. All right. Thanks for the laugh. Have a good one. Thank you, too. You, too. Bye. And that was my talk with Tony McKenzie. Very fun conversation, like I said. And, uh, you know, make sure to check out her websites, tanyamckenzie.com as well as sandandshores.com. But again, think about what is your legacy going to be? What are you going to leave behind? Don't worry about death. I'm pretty sure something else happens after this. So, with that being said, I will say that in the meantime, have yourself a good day and have yourself a good life. Now, if you're still listening, you may have tuned out by now, but if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, And please share with your friends. And if you're feeling up to it, leave me a review. I want to know how I'm doing.